The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corrales. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corrales, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. Where are we? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, first things first, I am sorry that there was no episode this past Friday. Um, I usually record on Wednesdays or Thursdays. And as we all know, we had the craziness happen, the insurrection happen uh, in our capital. And it was just really hard for me to pull my brain together. Or honestly feel like doing anything (laughs) that involved anything that wasn't just like trying to take in what had happened. So I did something that I hope that most of you would do and I gave myself the okay to not follow through with uh, a commitment that was not a complete and total necessity. Now, um, obviously, I have a lot of pride in this podcast. I've been podcasting for almost five years, then coming up on my fifth anniversary in a couple months. Um, But uh, there are just times where you have to take care of yourself. And I tried to podcast on Wednesday, I tried to podcast on Thursday. And finally, I just emailed my producer uh, and was like, I'm not gonna be able to do it this week. So here we are instead, and we'll start over (laughs) the the new year, um, shifting the podcast uh, to this set of two weeks versus what it would have been if we had done last week and then done two weeks. So I'm still here. I'm still podcasting. That's not going to change. I just needed to, you know, absorb some of the chaotic craziness that's been happening in our our country um, and take care of myself before I can take care of anybody else. Always a great lesson that. So, yeah, that is what the, the reason why there was no podcast last week. But do not fret. We have another episode for you this week, and I think it's a good one. So hopefully it'll make up for that. The fact that we didn't have that last week. Um, Before I get started on this week's episode, I should first mention that I am doing uh, virtual classes every Friday um, throughout January. So 6.45 to 8 p.m., I'm teaching uh, virtual beginner ballet classes on Zoom. Um, They're $14 a pop. They're an hour and 15 minutes. We've had a great group of uh, dancers joining those classes um, and I, there is a possibility I may add more virtual classes, um, but that's what I'm doing for the moment because that's what's been working out. Um, for the beginner ballet level, usually I say you should have about two years of experience, um, but we do have a range of dancers, some who are um, maybe more at a basic uh, introductory level um, that want to push their technique, and then others who are professionals and just looking for a good class. So um, 
if you're looking for information on that, you can go onto my Instagram at bcorollis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S, and DM me. Um, or you can uh, go onto my website, www.barrycorollis.com, and send me a, a message there. Or go on my Facebook and send me a message there. Um, that's how that's been functioning. Uh, other than that, uh, my company is Movement Headquarters Valley Company. We have been uh, doing a Patreon, which we started at the beginning of December, and we'll be continuing that throughout the next year as we build our immersive land of the suites. Uh, so if you're interested in getting some exclusive content from Movement Headquarters, we are currently offering three different subscription packages to receive digital content, uh, dance content, music content, and behind-the-scenes content. So uh, if that interests you, you, uh, you can head to www.patreon.com uh, forward slash movement HQ. Again, that's www.patreon.com forward slash movement HQ. Um, and what other announcements? Uh, I feel like there's a lot going on that I can't talk about yet, but I will be able to soon. Um, but oh yeah, I'm, I'm available for choreography and coaching if and private lessons if anybody is looking to prepare for virtual summer and college auditions. So you can always contact me via the avenues that I've already mentioned um, if you're looking for coaching, choreography, or uh, technique, uh, lessons, private lessons for technique. Because um, a lot of auditions this year are going to be virtual and it's new and I've worked, I've actually done private lessons virtually for Several years now, I think the first time I was coaching students for Youth America Grand Prix in Alaska, um, and that was like 2015, 2016, so yeah, call me a pioneer, people, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing this for a while, so I've, I've got a pretty good grasp on it, so if that's something you're looking for, uh, let me know, and we can talk about it. All right, let's get on to today's topic. Um, I... I don't think I've really like done an episode exclusively that talks about contemporary dance. I've obviously talked about a lot because it's something that I'm involved in um, very deeply. Like it's it's become a, a foundation of my my career. Um, so yeah, I thought we would talk about what is contemporary dance. Um, I'm gonna talk a little bit a bit about my background in it, and uh, then I'll share some other information. So here we go. Let's get started. All right. So um, I guess let's start off by talking about what is contemporary dance? Um, or at least when did it start? Let's go there. When did it start? And then we'll talk more about contemporary dance. Um, my first interaction with contemporary dance was probably right around the beginning of my dance career. In my training, I trained in ballet, modern, jazz, musical theater, uh, tap, Irish step dancing, and I did just like a little little scooch of uh, hip hop. Um, now there are multiple different uh, genres within hip hop, but um, we just called it hip hop back then. Um, so yeah, when I started my career, how long ago is that now? <laughs> I'm like getting to the point where I'm starting to forget. Um, I started dancing for Houston Ballet in 2003. Um, and in 2003, I remember like if we did something that wasn't straightforward ballet, like if it was either 
uh, bare feet, um, or they would use like the little toe thongs. We didn't really even dance in socks that much back then. It was very frowned upon in the ballet world. Um, and some places it's still very frowned upon in the ballet world, but you know, you got to update yourself and ballet loves its tradition, but, uh, this is, this is how, how it works. But yeah, so, um, I remember back when I joined Houston Ballets, we would we did uh, a couple pieces and uh, that were more what we would now say a contemporary. But also, I remember seeing a uh, Yuri Killian ballet on television. It was like on their PBS down in Houston. Um, it was uh, Petite Petite Mort. I think it was Petite Mort with uh, the dresses that they use at the end where they roll, where they roll on wheels. Um, and everybody was talking about it and we, we would actually call it a modern ballet. Um, and then we did a few other pieces and they called them modern ballet. So we didn't actually call it contemporary, but I heard like little whispers of contemporary ideas and that, um, they were doing contemporary in Europe. Um, but we still called it modern ballet, but also that year, So You Think You Can Dance came out. So now I'm really aging myself for the young ones, but it was the first year that So You Think You Can Dance came out. And, uh, I remember that they made the dancers like signify what their specialty was, even though a majority of those like competition dancers that were doing So You Think You Can Dance, they, uh, they were well-versed, kind of like uh, my training as a, as a kid where I was doing multiple styles. So while maybe they would like call themselves a jazz dancer or something else, um, they could do tap and ballet and, and everything in between. So um, I can't remember if it was the first year or the second year now that I think about it, but it was like right around this time um, that one of the dancers signified themselves, uh, denoted that their specialty was contemporary. Um, and around this time with Houston Ballet and then going to Pacific Northwest Ballet the next year, um, I heard other people using the term contemporary, but for more balletic works. So honestly, it was quite confusing because I would see like Travis Wall, who was technically like one of the early American contemporary dancers, if you claimed it, um, even though I'm sure people were doing it well before that, uh, he, he was technically a contemporary dancer. I don't know if he actually called himself that, but um, people were starting to call themselves contemporary dancers on the show. But then also as my career was continuing, we were starting to do these contemporary works. And it was really confusing because we were not the same dancers. You would see these uh, commercial contemporary dancers that were doing more like gestural work and uh, dancing to the lyrics, more like lyrical um, and Sometimes it would be really thrashy and other times it would be really soft and smooth where when you would think of a a contemporary work in ballet, we were still wearing ballet slippers every once in a while, barefoot, again, still very rarely socks. Um, And it was more fluid. It wasn't as uh, sharp and there was less attack and um, it was emotion. There was emotion involved in it, but it wasn't like facial emotion. It was like body emotion. Where with the contemporary that you would see on TV, it was very much like face emotion. So yeah, it was very confusing back then. And over the years, a lot has a lot has evolved, um, and some has not evolved. <laughs> but so we, uh, once I had like, l- let me go into a little bit of my history. Um, so. When I was at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I around the third or fourth year in the company, I was cast uh, to do 
one flat thing reproduced. It's a Forsyth work, a William Forsyth work with like a bunch of tables. And um, I was cast by one of the stagers, not by not by the director. And afterwards in my artistic evaluation, he Peter Bull told me he was surprised. Um, he didn't expect me to be selected for that part. And it was pretty much like all, I think there were 14 of us. It was like 12 principals and soloists and two core members. Um, so for me, it was like a really big breakout moment for me. Um, and after that, every time that I would go in for a meeting, I'd be like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Peter, Peter Bull would say, oh, you're, I consider you one of my contemporary specialists. So if a contemporary, uh, piece comes into our repertoire, you're more likely to be selected to dance a leading role in that than you would be for a classical role. Um, and that, I mean, the rest of that conversation is another story. But so I, as I started to get to do more contemporary work at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I was like, oh, wow, like I really, I really felt like I was finally getting to utilize all of the training that I had as a kid that I kind of like put on the back burner to really focus on my ballet so that I could get into like a world-class company. Um, so it was like, I, I stepped away from it to do something so that I could come back to it. Um, but it was, it was very, uh, it was interesting because when I, when I felt stagnant with the company and I really started to think about what type of dancer I wanted to be moving forward and where I'd like to audition. Um, oh, you guys are going to hear this like hissing noise. I can't control it. It's not my sound quality. My heat's turning on. Welcome to New York. All right. So there's gonna be a little hissing for a little while, but yeah. So <laughs> when I started to think about the dancer that I wanted to be, uh, in the future, I, I started to see, because I had all this positive, uh, I had all this positive energy and all, all this positivity towards the contemporary style of my dancing, I, I started looking for companies that perform more contemporary works. And that's when I found Ballet X and auditioned, got the job, left Pacific Northwest Ballet to join Ballet X. Um, and at the time that I joined Ballet X, it was its first year as a, a contracted company. They had never had dancers on contracts previous to this. And, um, they, so, so they were very new when I left PNB, most people didn't know what Ballet X was when I told them I was going to the company. Um, now it's a very well-known established company, but at the time, a lot of people didn't know. And so when I went to Ballet X, I really struggled to learn the choreography and adapt to the style. By the time I got on stage, it'd usually be fine, but my learning process was so slow because I'd never experienced anything like this before. And it was confusing as well, <laughs> like before, that <laughs> maybe contemporary is just confusing, but it was confusing because I was a contemporary specialist at one of the best ballet companies in the country. And then I went to this like little known contemporary ballet company in Philadelphia and I was struggling more than the other dancers. Um, that's a lesson within itself. But uh, at this point, I started to go, oh, wow, contemporary dance is something completely different. Um, then after the saga of Ballet X and I left and I freelanced across the country, I got to experience so many different versions of what people think contemporary is. Um, so yeah, that's like my background as a dancer with contemporary dance. Uh, I definitely feel that I am a product of the contemporary revolution in dance um, because contemporary is involved in practically every style of dance at this point, um, which I will talk about a, a little bit in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, but so, so that's my background as a dancer, but then it's interesting because then it changed as I became an educator and focused more on my choreography. Um, 
So talking about teaching, the first time that I ever taught contemporary was in Alaska. So so what happened was this. I was a ballet substitute at the Koresh uh, School of Dance in Philadelphia. Um, and I was still uh, thinking I was going to get back to my performance career and staying in shape. So I was taking ballet classes, but also pushing myself to take uh, – what they called modern jazz classes uh, with Roni Koresh, the director of the company, and Melissa, um, Melissa Rector, um, who is essentially his protege, his uh, muse, and all in between. Two amazing uh, teachers, dancers, directors, choreographers, um, all of the above for both of them. Um, but yeah, so I was taking their class constantly, and since I was a ballet teacher, but I was also taking their classes, and I could do the choreography very well. Um, I, the, the director of the school who was, uh, who is Roni's brother kept on asking me to teach contemporary classes. He asked me, I said, no, I'm, I, I don't teach contemporary or modern jazz. And then I said, I see you in class. You look like you could teach it. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about like pulling a class together. I can take class, but I've never even thought of it. Three months later, ask me again. Three months later, ask me again. I said, okay, give me some time. Give me a couple months. I'm going to take class. I'm going to maybe teach a few other places and then I'll let you know. So I was up in Alaska and I started to uh, dabble with teaching contemporary because it was a, a place where I could take more risks, which is one thing I love about Alaska. I, I, well, I remember the first time I went to Alaska, one of my uh, colleagues uh, I, I didn't understand why she had gone from Anchorage to uh, San Diego and then moved back to to Anchorage. And she said, Alaska is one of the last places that you can truly be a pioneer. And I, I always held on to that and I still do today. I will go back to Alaska. I can't wait till I do. But yeah, so I did that. And then um, I came back and I started to substitute with with modern jazz classes. But essentially, I was just like replicating um, what Roni and Melissa were doing with like a little spin of my own. Um, as time went on, I became more comfortable. I started to adapt it more to my own choreography and using that as a foundation, building the class from there. Um, and then when I moved, when I started working with Greenwich Ballet Academy, uh, as I prepared to move to New York City, uh, they hired me to teach their classically ball trained ballet students to do, uh, to essentially for, they wanted me to help them with their contemporary solos for Youth America Grand Prix because they were a competition school. Um, and I didn't really know how to go about it. So I, I, I thought about, okay, who are they? Who am I? Um, and they are classically trained. What do they understand? That means they understand ballet. What do they struggle with? They don't understand modern dance, contemporary dance, uh, different ways of moving jazz, musical theater. Um, and then who am I? I was a jazz, modern musical theater kid that fell in love with ballet, ended up doing ballet, forgetting about the, the, I mean, not forgetting, but like putting in the, in the distance, um, and then slowly starting to find my way back to it as I did more contemporary work. Um, so I, I, I thought what I'm seeing a lot of people do is trying to teach contemporary dance from a modern perspective. I'm going to this in a second. Um, but I understood classical dance better at this point, <clears throat> And so did they. So it didn't make sense for me to start them from a modern base foundation. Um, it made sense for me to, to educate them from a classical foundation. So what I did was I started to think of how we can deconstruct classical ballet to make it, um, more contemporary. 
Um, when I think of contemporary, I think the tenets of contemporary are fluidity and grounding, like into the earth, like being lower to the earth versus lifting out of the earth. Um, the ability to go between classical lines and any other movement <clears throat> asked of the dancer. Um, the ability to flow seamlessly from standing to the floor in the air. Um, I, I feel like it uses the floor less to stand on and more as a method of transportation. Um, and that this style of dance allows for more freedom of expression and the development of a personal movement voice and opinion where ballet tends to be like, I'm going to tell you what to do and you do it exactly as I tell you and no other way. Um, so yeah, I, I started to work with these students and over the time, the few years that I, I was uh, faculty at that school, I developed a three-year syllabus to educate uh, and essentially deconstruct classical dance into a more contemporary form. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where I am today when it comes to uh, contemporary dance. So it started back in the early 2000s in the United States where it was modern ballet turning into contemporary dance, um, but there was commercial and there was concert. Um, so let me talk a little bit more about that now. Um, let's talk about <laughs> what is contemporary dance. Um, so in my opinion, contemporary dance is the re-meeting of the minds of ballet, classical ballet and modern dance. Um, so classical ballet has been around for quite a while. Um <clears throat> I mean, depending on what form of it you th you think of ballet in, um, classical ballet has been around for well over 100 years, perhaps even 150 years, um, in its current-ish form. Um, prior to that, it was a court dance, um, and that goes back to hundreds of years. Um, but if, when I talk about ballet, I'm talking about when we started doing like real technical dance um, outside of a social dance. Um, so back in like the, the 30s and 40s, there was sort of a revolution where um, those who felt rejected, turned away by ballet or felt like they didn't fit into the, the strict set of standards that ballet asked of them, um, they rejected ballet, they rejected the tenets of ballet, and they, they went over to modern dance. And you can actually listen back. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a podcast uh, about the evolution of modern dance. Um, <laughs> I've done so many podcasts at this point. I think I did it in collaboration with Melissa Clapper, um, who recently put out her wonderful book. Uh, uh, what is the exact title? It's Ballet Class. Um, and it's American History of, of Ballet. Um, I don't remember if that's the exact title, but Melissa Clapper, K-L-A-P-P-E-R. Um, go, <laughs> I forget things like this all the time. I need it exactly in front of me to remember it, even if I've read it. Um, but it's a great book and um, you can Google that information or DM me for that. But anyway, so we did that in collaboration or she inspired the idea. It was one of the other thing, one or the other things. Um, but yeah, now I'm getting too off track. Uh, you don't need to know the whole story. Um, so yeah, uh, that was back in like the 40s, essentially. And that's when you got like your Martha Graham, you got your Cunningham. Um, and slowly that led to Alvin Ailey and uh, Mark Morris and a bunch of like those giants in the modern dance world. Um, then what I think started to happen was... So these were like the polar opposites, like ballet was lifted, modern was grounded, ballet was about line, modern was about your movement quality. Um, and there were a lot of these contradictions and styles that really differentiated one from another. Um, but I guess it, it almost feels like it 
there was there there was no way that these two worlds were not going to come back together at a certain point and i guess it's best explained by if you look at some of the evolution that i've already told you so we called uh, a ballet that was not on point whether it was like ballet slippers or on flat that moved in a more grounded way we called it modern ballet because it had tenets of modern it had tenets of ballet um but now if you look back at those pieces i bet you people would call them contemporary works or contemporary ballets um I don't know. I, I, I'm not as educated from the modern dance perspective, so I don't feel right to talk from that, how that evolution happened on that side. But um, as time passed, and especially when I reentered the world of Youth America Grand Prix, because back when I did contemporary Youth America Grand Prix, I did a jazz dance. I don't even remember if they called it contemporary. Um, it was like you did a classical variation and another style. <laughs> and you saw everything from like jazz to hip hop to uh tap it was a completely different story um now it's it's more uh it seems like people have figured it out more but yeah so when i started going back into uh choreographing and or getting more involved with youth American grand prix as a choreographer and a coach um i started to think okay what are other people doing and what should i do and i was like okay what is my checklist of needs for an answer for a youth america grand prix solo okay i need to show that they have nice feet that they have nice lines that they have uh, extension they can do pirouettes those are like the ballet technical things but i have to make sure that they show that they can touch the ground like they can roll onto the floor and do a little bit of floor work they need to be able to show that they can move with fluidity that they can express themselves um outside of just a smile um and that they they can do choreography that is not uh, something that you could use with like codified uh, ballet terminology. Um, so that's at that point I started to like really evaluate because then I didn't just have to dance contemporary. I had to start to teach contemporary. And I, I started to notice like, like I've been saying that it's really like the meeting of ballet and modern again. And even if you look at commercial work, it's there too. Um, so essentially if ballet was at 0% on a spectrum and uh, modern is at 100% or I don't care, you can switch and put modern at zero and ballet at 100, 0 to 20% would, of, of uh, work would be classical work and uh, 80 to 100% would be modern dance work. And that leaves you the 20 to 80% in between, which is essentially 60% of work. All of that, in my opinion, could be codified or classified, not codified as contemporary dance. Um, even if it's so, if you went to like the 20% to the, to the 30%, that might be something that's still on point and still has a lot of classical technique in it, but they, they do things in contemporary ways. And maybe the 30 to 50% is, it's still on point, but it's less classical. Then maybe uh, the 50 to 70% um, it's in socks or ballet slippers or barefoot. Um, and you see elements of uh, classical ballet, but it's more grounded and there's less classical technique. And then you go from like the 70 to 90 or sorry, 70 to 80 <clears> percent. And it's mostly modern technique. And every once in a while, the dancers show that they have a great line um, or that they can do multiple pirouettes. Um, so truly, in my opinion, that is uh, really what contemporary dance is today. Um, and that's, that, that's like my, my understanding, my own personal interpretation, uh, 
an evolution as a dancer, choreographer, and educator as to what exactly contemporary dance is, how it came about, and um, why so many things can be called contemporary dance um, but not look like they are anywhere close to one another. It's quite fascinating, in my opinion. Um, so, okay, next part of this topic. Um, is there any training system of training for contemporary dance? Um, I'm going to say no, and a bunch of people are going to go, I'm in a contemporary dance training program right now. But um, the reason I say no is because if you think of ballet and you think of modern dance, ballet, you have Vaganovich, Chiquetti, Balanchine technique, um, Cuban technique, Paris Opera, Royal Academy of Dance. If you think of modern dance, you have Cunningham, you have uh, Graham, you have Horton. Um, some people would consider Luigi, even though it's more jazz-based, um, a, a style of modern dance. You, ha you have these different... Uh, techniques that are codified and taught at institutions and that have uh, gone far enough that they're actually being taught outside of the original institution that founded those tech like syllab syllabi for training like those um, those I, I guess that's exactly what I want to say I was trying to find another way to say it but that's it um, so there I would personally say that there's not a particular technique that is considered all-encompassing um, when it comes to training contemporary dancers. Yes, there are subsets of contemporary dance techniques like release technique and counter technique, but they're not as broadly known outside of the small circles uh, within the dance community that train in those those techniques. And I honestly don't think that they're all-encompassing because when I think of like Vaganova or um, RAD, I think that a dancer can utilize that training and know everything they need to know at, about a classical, about dancing as a classical ballet dancer. And same thing for like Graham and Horton um, and Cunningham. I feel like they are very set up to make a, a well-rounded dancer where I feel like release technique and counter technique are more um, teaching pathways to dance in, in that way, but not like something that would allow a contemporary dancer to dance for any contemporary dance company. Um, so yeah, in, in, in reality, most of the best contemporary dancers today have a very strong foundation of training in both ballet and modern dance. And then there are other things that are interspersed within it. Um, I mean, if you do research on contemporary dancers who are well known right now, like you'll see, they'll say they, they're amazing mover and great technique, but they also have influences of uh, like African diaspora, or they'll say that um, they have uh they're more modern based, but they have great point work um, or like maybe they're a great contemporary dancer, but you can also see um, some pop locking in it. So yeah, in reality, best contemporary dancers are strong foundations in ballet and modern dance. And then they always seem to have specialized um, in at least one or two other styles of dance. So that's what really like sets them apart and makes them unique. Um, I do know that something that I think is a very important part of uh, becoming a great contemporary dancer is improvisation tools and abilities. Um, I don't know if they're still online, um, but William Forsyth did this great series of improvisational technologies, which were on YouTube. I hope that they still are. I should check that out. Um, I thought that those were a great foundation and a set of tools for dancers to use, especially ballet dancers. I feel like ballet dancers have more trouble like getting down into contemporary 
where uh, more traditionally contemporary dancers struggle more with like some technical aspects of their dancing. But yeah, improvisation is a great part. I love Gaga classes because it's kind of like a guided movement where you get to kind of choose how you're going to improvise um, or you get to choose your pathway for improvisation as opposed to being told exactly what to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I, a lot of dancers come to New York um, thinking that they're going to train in contemporary dance outside of a program. And one thing that I always try to say, and I, I say this constantly when I teach classes in the city, um, is that one of the best and most frustrating and scariest things about taking contemporary classes in New York City is that anytime you, you step into somebody's classroom, you don't know what you're going to get. You could do a class where you just do gestural movement the entire time. You could go into a classroom where you're rolling on the floor the entire time. You could go into a classroom where you are essentially doing ballet technique with like little quirks. Um, or you could be doing a modern class, uh, that has been evolved into uh, a different movement style. So it's if you come to New York and you take different contemporary classes, everyone's going to be so different that you're not necessarily going to be able to like say that was really that was contemporary, that was wasn't, that was that wasn't. Because in reality, it all is. Because I I very much believe that contemporary dance is currently an interpretory. Is that a word? Interpretive. <laughs> it's an interpretation of one's movement style within a technique that they already uh, that they already have put into their bodies and, and gone comfortable with. So for me, it made sense. It makes sense now looking back when I first started teaching that instead of wanting to go from a modern foundation, that I did it from the foundation of deconstructing classical technique because today I'm a ballet dancer. Um, I, I'm a classically trained dancer that has become a contemporary dancer and teacher and choreographer um, through my exploration of how I can break down ballet technique to become more fluid, more grounded, more expressive, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you are interested in, in becoming a contemporary dancer, that's what I would say. Really make sure you're getting great ballet training, great modern dance training, Learn some improvisational tools and then make sure that you're also specializing in one or two other styles of dance. Um, that is what that is. Now, it, it's interesting because there are several programs uh, across the world that are starting to pop up that are specifically focused on contemporary dance. Uh, in Canada, there is uh, Royal Winnipeg Ballet just opened up a contemporary arm of their training academy. Um, I know that the Royal Bay School in uh, London, um, I think it's in London. Yeah, it's in London. Um, but yeah, the Royal Bay School, I've been reading up on their programs and they uh, they have now introduced what they are calling a contemporary curriculum. Um, I would even go as far as saying that here in the United States that the USC Kaufman, University of Southern California Kaufman School is... Um, also, uh, working to develop contemporary dancers, though I don't, I, I don't really hear them saying it's a contemporary program. Um, the I would say the original contemporary dance training program in the United States is Juilliard because they have always been very focused on creating well-rounded dancers in both ballet and modern techniques. Um, so those are some training institutions if you uh, aren't seeking to develop your own contemporary training program on your own through ballet and modern, and then finding those other genres. Okay. Um, so, yeah, 
what else do I have to say? What is my idea of contemporary dance? I, I've, I've already talked about that. Um, it comes from a classical foundation because that's what I understand best. Um, I, I actually, I, I have two YouTube warmups of my, uh, contemporary classes, a, a, be, a basic beginner warmup and then an intermediate advance where it's just like a, a 45 minute to an hour warmup. Um, there's no choreography involved, but I did that at the beginning of the pandemic because people asked for it. But maybe if you're curious to see exactly what I'm talking about, um, you could reach out to me. I've been uh, asking for donations of $12 for those videos um, to help support me through the, the challenges of COVID. Um, but uh, you can reach out to me if you're interested in that. But yeah, um, I've spent a lot of time like working on my personal movement style. Uh, obviously, like I, I'm a ballet dancer. And then I had that background of like jazz, modern, uh, tap uh, hip hop at the time. Um, but for me, like, I really feel like before I even started to really focus on developing my style, I feel like I found my personal movement style by going out to clubs. I love going out dancing. Um, and there's nothing like just like hearing the music and just letting it flow through your body and moving in real time. Um, it's amazing because a lot of ballet dancers are afraid to improvise. Um, and, but a lot of ballet dancers also like to go out dancing at a club and I see like club dancing as true improvisation. Everybody that goes to a club is improvising, um, in real time. Um, yes, of course, sometimes they are under the influence of other things that may make them feel more free. But, um, I, I do think that there is something to be said about just going out not worrying about what you look like in a mirror um, and just feeling what you move, how, how you move. Um, so I've always had that as a part of my practice, even though I saw it as uh, recreation and fun, I didn't see it as like exploration. Um, but now that I look back, it was. And then around the time that I started freelancing, I spent a lot of time on my own um, in the gym studios when I wasn't uh, traveling the country for gigs. And also after I, I stopped performing, um, just like moving and watching myself in the mirror and seeing what things felt like. And I so I feel like that time was really integral to me um, because I learned so much about myself. And as I said before, one tenet of, of contemporary dance, in my opinion, is having more freedom of expression and that, that and development of that personal voice um, when it comes to movement and dance. Um, if you watch a contemporary piece next to a classical piece, it's often not as uh, synchronized as a classical piece because classical piece we have like words and terminology that tell us exactly where we should be and we train those positions where contemporary dance you have the option of anything um, so you might get several personal interpretations of the movement um, and while it's being danced in, even if it's dance in perfect synchronicity um it's not always going to look exactly the same because the dancers, uh, they've developed their personal voices differently. Um, so yeah, that is my idea of contemporary dance. That answers what contemporary dance is and it gives you some of my background. So now that I've shared all of that with you, I would be really curious to hear what you think uh, of when you hear the word contemporary dance. What, what do you think it is? Uh, do you think it's very specific? Do you think it's a looser? Do you think it's a true... Uh, technique? Do you think that it's a conglomeration of many techniques? Um, this is really open for debate. And 
I, I think that I, I've said this many times, I think we're in a fascinating time because um, when we were kids or I guess I talked to you all like you're 37 like me, uh, when I was a kid, ballet technique was evolved a long time ago. Modern technique was evolved a long time ago. Um, so what all everything that we were learning was something that had already been set and was already like written down Um both literally and figuratively. Um, but with contemporary dance, we're in this amazing time where there are certain people and certain uh, avenues of training that are starting to pop up as more uh, established uh, or they're, they're looked at, they're, they're starting to be looked at more favorably and they're becoming more popular. Uh, I, I feel like we're in this contemporary revolution where we're actually watching that take place when like Vaganova happened or like when Graham happened, we're in that place with contemporary. And I think in the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to start to see contemporary training programs and techniques that are established and will truly make a dancer into a contemporary dancer versus taking different styles and using them to mold a dancer into to a contemporary dancer. It'll actually be like, these are the requirements for a contemporary dancer and you need to train in these specific things in order to do that. Um, I think it's fascinating. I think that we're in a very exciting time when it comes to seeing, like we've already seen the birth and the infancy of of and and the childhood of contemporary dance i feel like we're in the adolescence of contemporary dance and very soon we're going to see the adult form of contemporary dance where it is uh it's more structured um and i don't say that in the sense where like you're going to be forced to fit this box of what contemporary dance is but there's just going to be more of a concrete idea of what contemporary dance is and how to become a contemporary dancer so yeah, that is my take on what contemporary dance is. Again, I hope that you consider reaching out to me to uh, to let me know what you think contemporary dance is and we can continue this conversation. Uh, thank you again for your understanding with not having a podcast last week. I'm looking forward to continuing to post additional podcasts every two weeks starting uh, from today or, well, it's Tuesday. I'm doing it early this week um, in case anything else happens. But this will be posted on Friday the 13th, 14th, 15th, um, and I will then uh, continue every two weeks after that. I hope that you are all doing well. Please take care of yourselves. I hope that you are seeking uh, peace and understanding. And uh, the next time I talk to you, President Biden is going to be our official president. And I hope that we can move on from these past tragic four years, especially this past year, and that we will move into a time where we as not just a country, but we as neighbors can again start to find middle ground with one another and care and love one another and look at others with equity and fairness and not try to take away the rights of others because we feel that we have our own rights. Uh, didn't expect to get political, but you know, it's impossible these days. All right. Also, lastly, if you if you would like to uh, check out that exclusive content that we're creating at Movement Headquarters, we're putting out content three times a month, usually on the 5th, 15th and 25th music, then choreography and then behind the scenes uh, of what we're working on with Movement Headquarters. Uh, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash movement HQ. 
Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet con- or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. If you'd like to check out my company, you can also visit www.movementhqballet.org. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also follow Movement Headquarters on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I wrote on Life of a Freelance Dancer for five years about working as a nationally touring freelance artist and independent contractor. You can find that at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. I also have Dancing Offstage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com, and I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. You can also check out my choreography on YouTube by heading to youtube.com and searching B. Carolus or Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.